the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2012 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, today accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hi, everybody. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Okay, now, ordinarily, the show is about estate planning and elder law in one part, and then we talk about history, politics, religion, difficult subjects today. But, you know, with COVID and everything, we're not having as many live guests as we used to have. So we're going to go into the archives, and we're going to dig up one from one of our favorite historians, Ed Bars. Now, Ed just had his 97th birthday, and, you know, he's a truly remarkable man. If anybody remembers Ken Burns' The Civil War, Ed was one of the main speakers on that, along with Shelby Foote. Ed Bars is the bald guy with the booming voice, and he's around now 30 years later, still booming away. But we're, we're going to take—usually Ed talks about the Civil War, but we're going to talk about the battle in New Orleans— which is truly one of the great battles of, of American history. And, of course, I know there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure right now to take the statues down of Andrew Jackson, the hero of the, the Battle of New Orleans. Now, I know Ed spoke about statues uh, a few years back, and, of course, he was against the taking down of any statues. He said it doesn't change history, and we forget a little part of our history when we take down a statue. So... You know, and at the time, he was talking about one of the most controversial figures of the Civil War when we talked about it, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who I think you could make an argument. He might be one of the guys maybe you should take the statue down. But again, in his opinion, statues were part of history, and history should be honored. And he spent his entire life, you know, preserving history, memorizing virtually every battlefield report of the Civil War, you know, in his 50 years with the, the Parks Department. And today we're going to be talking about New Orleans, which is one of the greatest victories in, in American history by Andrew J Jackson, who had a truly remarkable campaign in the South during the War of 1812. And, of, of course, he became a hero and got elected president uh, a few years later. Now, as far as the estate planning and elder law, Connors & Sullivan is now open now. If you want to schedule an appointment with Connors & Sullivan, give us a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. 
avoiding going through court. That's avoiding probate and elder law trying to save assets from nursing home bills. And I do want to alert everybody. There are major changes in the Medicaid laws in New York starting October 1st. So if you want to be prepared for those changes, I suggest you give us a call as soon as possible at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Okay, we're going to take a short break. After the break, we're going to be talking to Ed Bars about the battle in New Orleans. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. With me right now is our national treasure, greatest battlefield guide in the history of the United States, Ed Bars. How are you today, sir? Very good. All right, now we've talked it's about down here. It is, huh? We've talked about every Civil War battle, I think, that the public is interested in. So we're going to change pace today. We're going to be talking about New Orleans. 1815, the Battle of New Orleans. What can you tell us about that battle? All right, the battle. Uh, the United States, of course, declares war on Great Britain when Britain is seriously embarrassed with Bonaparte. Now, when Bonaparte uh, runs into disaster after in Russia and the Battle of Leipzig, uh, Bonaparte will. Uh, abdicate for the first time and go uh, be sent to the Isle of Elba, where he'll remain a hundred days and then escape. Now, as soon as Bonaparte is dealt with, the British decide uh, that uh, the United States should be punished for for their uh, uh, for their actions of declaring war on Britain when Britain is in a, a serious conflict with Bonaparte. So the British uh, now have a lot of unemployed soldiers. 
that have been very successful, particularly in Spain against uh, the French forces in Spain, led by uh, Jerome Bonaparte, who is not any type of a general like his brother. So the British decide they're going to send three expeditions made up largely of veterans of the Peninsula Campaign to punish uh, the the United States for their uh, uh, declaration of war on them at a a bad time. They're going to send one force of about 10,000 men to reinforce the, 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 the British forces in Canada, and they're going to advance southward by way of the Lake Champlain Gateway. A second force will be uh, sent uh, to uh, uh, to Chesapeake Bay uh, to operate against Washington and uh, our forces there. And the third force, largely made up the ones that are presumed to be successful against Washington, will move against New Orleans. Uh, the uh, the British threat to, uh, by way of Lake Champlain, will be neutralized uh, uh, in mid-September. Uh, the uh, British uh, threat that brought them to Washington and then defeat at Baltimore will then move against New Orleans. New Orleans, of course, is located 80 miles up the Mississippi River from its mouth, and it's very it's the backbone of uh, of America, and the, it had been sold by the Spanish. Uh, the French had then uh, acquired it uh, from the uh, uh, the uh, Spanish, and they had sold the Louisiana Purchase to us in in, 19, in 1803. So we are we have uh, New Orleans, which controls all the rivers draining a third of the continent. So the British are going to move against New Orleans and uh, see if they can win a big victory over us at New Orleans. So the British fleet, which had operated originally in Chesapeake Bay, will rendezvous with other troops that have been brought over uh, from from, uh, Britain in uh, in Jamaica, and they will sail for the coast. Uh, they will have a. These are all veterans of Napoleon. Uh, they have. Uh, they will board the ships at uh, at Bordeaux, uh, and they will arrive off the uh, Gulf Coast of the United States in at the at the beginning of the first week of uh, of uh, December. Uh, 1814, uh, uh, actually off Ship Island. They're going to operate against the orders. First thing they're going to try to do is bribe this pirate John Lafitte, uh, to, who is under indictment in Louisiana uh, for piracy, and he uh, will turn down the British offer of, of him cooperating. So the British Navy is going to uh, try to uh, is going to approach New Orleans by way from the west, from the Gulf of Mexico, by way of Lake Bourne. We have a small fleet of gunboats uh, on uh, guarding the passes into uh, 
through the Wrigley's into Lake Pontchartrain, uh, five gunboats, and there will be an engagement on the uh, on the 14th and 15th day of December. The British will load a hundred and uh, will uh, take. 45 longboats, about a, uh, a gun in each, a carronade uh, in the bow of each one, and they're going to attack and to try and capture the American gunboat fleet. They were successful. By the 16th, by the evening, by the 15th, the American gunboats, they're watching the, uh, uh, the, uh, Route into New Orleans to uh, uh, the Wrigley's and Lake Pontchartrain have been captured. The British then will move. Uh, will, will then are going to move their troops from uh, from the uh, uh, from their base that they've established uh, at Ship Island and go through a chain of waterways. Uh, that uh, drain uh, that connect the uh, the area of uh, the uh, area uh, of uh, area east uh, south and east of New Orleans with the uh, with the Mississippi. It's a uh, one of these uh, many channels they have. So that's the route they're going to do. They're going to. They got a lot of hard work because they're going to have to uh, move their men in small boats. Now, at this time, uh, uh, Andrew Jackson is had moved against Pensacola, which had been occupied by the British, and he's got to get his tail back to New Orleans as fast as he can. So he is going to be back in New Orleans uh, in around uh, in mid uh, December. Uh, and he is going to be bringing men all the way uh, from Kentucky and Tennessee uh, by uh, by boat down the river to join his forces in New Orleans. Now, his forces in New Orleans will be a hodgepodge of people. They will include several. They will include a detachment of Marines, United States Marines. They will have two regular Army units, and then they will have. They've turned out the free men of color. The Spanish and the French have had no trouble with or, with organizing free men of color into militia. So there are going to be two battalions of free men of color that are going to collect to go with those uh, people they brought down from Tennessee and uh, Kentucky. And there are going to be uh, 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 the Marines, two regular Army units, and Jackson is uh, beginning to cobble together. He will then uh, he will then tell John Lafitte, "How about you joining us?" And John Lafitte will turn over his his, his older brother Dominic U. Now he'll be very important, manning one of the uh, seven batteries uh, the Americans are going to establish. Well, the British so. The British are moving through on Bayou Benvenue, and they've reached uh, Valera Plantation. Valera Plantation would be on the Mississippi River about uh, about six miles downstream from where they'll fight the Battle of New Orleans, or as they call it down in New Orleans, Chalmette. 
So the uh, Jackson decides to strike a first blow. The British have landed at Valera Plantation. Uh, Valera has escaped and told them they're there. And, uh, and, and Jackson turns out about 5,000 men. Uh, Militia that's come down uh, from uh, Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, the free men of color, uh, Cajuns, uh, mixed uh, mixed bags, some regulars, and he leaves downtown New Orleans on the afternoon of the twenty. Third, he's going to march southward and and, and attack the British force that has come through on Bayou Benvenue and is assembling at Barrera Plantation. Uh, Barrera Plantation is about 15 miles downstream from New Orleans. There's this, the levees there at the time, bounding uh, the Mississippi, but they're not these giant levees like you see now. So Jackson is going to uh, uh, get down there and launch a surprise attack on the advanced British contingent that is going into camp uh, near Valera Plantation, which is about uh, two or three miles downstream uh, from where the battle will be fought, which will be uh, on the boundary uh, between the McCartney Plantation and Chalmette Plantation. Now, again, the, uh, there is a, uh, a, di- a drainage ditch that runs inland from uh, near the McCartney Plantation in a straight line into the uh, swamp area uh, about a thousand yards back. Uh, Jackson is going to, that's where the battle is going to be fought. But Jackson will try to surprise the, the British at the battle uh, at Valera Plantation, three miles further downstream. He gains a surprise, uh, but the British uh, send a hold up, and Jackson will fall back to the McCartney Plantation and the Rodriguez Canal. The Rodriguez Canal is this bridge uh, canal that connects the Mississippi River with with the swamp area about a thousand yards inland. So uh, Jackson decides, here's where I'm going to fight the British. He uh, is going to also have to have a force immediately across the river from where Rodriguez uh, canal drains into the Mississippi, and there he uh, have a, have have a, a couple of gunboats, and he's going to put his uh, militia over on that side. That would be on the south side of the river, and he's going to throw up eight batter excuse me nine batteries along uh, and use cotton bales to. Uh, uh, Work, and they have the Rodriguez Canal as a water barrier in front of them, and it's going to extend roughly a, a, a five about 650 yards from the swamp area, and uh, to where it drains into the Mississippi River, and uh, there he's going to position his uh, uh, eight 
batteries. Uh, these are uh, going to be manned uh, with, with uh, he has about 12 cannon. Uh, they're going to be at st- uh, positioned along uh, the uh, uh, the Rodriguez Canal, uh, beside, behind the Cotton Bell Barricades, uh, uh, and it will be numbered very imaginatively 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. They're scattered uh, uh, probably about 50 yards uh, 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 between each one. They do have a small readout out in front of Battery 1. So uh, he's got his men working hard uh, on these uh, defenses, uh, uh, and uh, the British are continuing to fight their way through. Now, the British commander, it will be uh, uh, Edward Packingham. He is going to be a... A short-tailed relative of Wellington. He has very little of Wellington's ability. Uh, he is 36 years old, and he will arrive at Belair Plantation along about, uh, about the 21st or 22nd day of, of, uh, December. So they're going to, uh, Jackson decides, uh, he's already attacked them once, uh, that surprise attack when, the, before the, when the British were Belair Foundation, and it made him very, uh, nervous, and that was, and that of course had been before he had fallen back and established his fortified line on the Rodriguez Canal between the Chalmette Plantation and the McCartney Plantation. It's going to be very smooth ground in front of him, uh, extending out, if you've ever been down there, out to where the National Cemetery is, which is for Civil War dead. So they're going to, the British are going to bring their artillery in. They got a hell of a job ferrying their their artillery in. And there will uh, be a, uh, Jackson will make a, uh, uh, the British will make a reconnaissance to see how strong Jackson's position is on the 28th. They find it is quite strong, and they don't uh, fare very well. The next engagement will be on the first day of of January, New Year's Day. The, the British have positioned their artillery which, uh, and their rockets, which are about uh, 1,000 yards from Jackson's line. Jackson has his defenses completed. He has his guns mounted. Uh, he has lost one of his gunboats in the engagement uh, back on the 23rd. And they're going to have an artillery duel. And believe it or not, the, our, our people uh, get the upper hand on the British in the artillery duel on the first day of January. The British now are establishing their position. They're separated by about a thousand yards. The ground is right between the British position and the Rodriguez Canal and Jackson's Cotton Bale Barricade is about uh, 800 yards. 
It's as flat as your, if you play pool, it's as flat as a pool table. And it has been used in growing rice and rice and berry. Now, Buckingham decides, I'm going to attack on the 8th day of January. So he is going to attack, he is going to dig a canal uh, from the uh, from the headwaters of Benvenue Bayou, that's the waterway the British had used to get their cannons and their people the 23 miles uh, from the uh, uh, from the, from the uh, the Gulf of Mexico to there. So he's going to decide we're going to put uh, Colonel Thornton, probably one of the best men the British have, is going to command about fifteen, about a thousand men. They're going to dam the uh, the outlet uh, to the uh, uh, to the canal going to Valera Plantation, and they're going to let the water build up so that he get enough water to use it. Uh, to cut the levee and get their uh, landing, uh, get their longboats out into the Mississippi River. They have bad luck during the night of the uh, the early morning hours of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, of the eighth. The the dam across the uh, dividing Bayou Benvenue from the canal bursts, and the water that's backing up behind it falls. So they're going to have a hard time getting their 40-some landing vessels down the canal and out into the Mississippi River. The Mississippi has a strong current. They have to wade across, and their job is to attack the American force that Jackson has placed on the south side of the Mississippi, just opposite Battery One. And that would be the extreme right flank of Jackson's line. And they they want to cooperate, but they uh, have a difficulty of uh, getting across the river. The Mississippi is a powerful current, and that means the British force under Thornton is not going to be able to cooperate with uh, Packingham's force in the big attack. Ed, we need to take a short break. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, talking to Ed Bars about the Battle of New Orleans. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? 
These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're talking to Ed Bars about the Battle of New Orleans. Now, the attack is going to be they uh, are going to send a small force into the swamp area, the Cypress Swamp, which will be, uh, which is to, is, is, is north of the, uh, the, uh, the left flank of Jackson's line. And they're going to, uh, uh, Packingham is going to form his column. Uh, into assault. Gibbs is going to be on the right with veterans who have been who've, uh, who've been battling Napoleon and his people for a long time. Gibbs has been there for a while, and his men are going to advance in the area just south, uh, just just uh, uh, just n- north of the. Uh, of the uh, of the Cypress Swamp, and uh, he is, uh, and they're going to have Colonel Mullen. You can have if you have your worst employee. Uh, let's put Pat Fauci will be Colonel Mullen. <laughs> uh, he is the Colonel of the Forty Fourth Regiment. Now the Forty Fourth Regiment has a key role. The British, under the cover of darkness, had deposited a number of ladders, long and short ladders, and fascines. Fascines are bundles of cane that are bound together, and you can throw into water and get across. So they positioned them in an abandoned battery. Uh, uh, the uh, the guy, uh, the uh, colonel of the 44th uh, British Regiment of Foot has got a very crucial role. His job is to send his men just when, before it gets light, goes forward where they, behind the redoubt, where they discrate, where they've uh, deposited their scaly ladders and their fascines. Because these guys that are going to attack are going to need those ladders and those fascines if they can get a, to get across Rodriguez uh, Rodriguez Canal. Now Rodriguez Canal is about uh, about fifteen feet wide. It's about uh, six. It's about four. It's a. Uh, it's about. Uh, Five feet deep, and then on the uh, on the on the 
opposite side, the uh, Jackson side of the of the canal, and about two foot back from the edge of the canal, Jackson has sewn up a line of cotton bale. Uh, uses cotton has sewn use cotton bales to throw up a parapet, and along that parapet are where his cannons. Where his uh, this is where his uh, his seven his eight batteries are positioned. Particularly, an important battery will be Battery Five, which is near the present day monument, because it has a big eighteen pounder, and. Uh, and uh, to the right of it is battery uh, is uh, is batteries is battery five. It has three guns in it, and uh, they uh, and then they have battery one. Of course, is very near the Mississippi. So uh, Gibbs's force is going to be on the right, probably thirty or forty yards to their right is the impassable area of the cedar thicket. Now, when they advance, they expect our friend, uh, the 44th, to meet them with the fascines and the ladders. Well, uh, he's, he's a little, uh, the colonel is a little, little dense, and he hasn't located where they are. And they can't find them. When they find them, it's rather late because the British have got tired. Gibbs has got tired of waiting, and he's begun his advance. So everything, and uh, and Gibbs and uh, and uh, he has begun his advance. Now the other column, and this other column is. Uh, uh, is uh, is being spurred by the fifty third fifty the ninety third regiment of Highlanders. They're tall, mean SOBs. They've been stationed in South Africa. They also are, have the light companies of the various infantry regiments. Now the British infantry regiments were all were organized. Each British regiment has a light company. These are guys that are uh, are very nimble. Uh, they are like that young man that usually calls me up, and uh, they're good with the bayonet. And uh, they have the light companies of the other infantry regiments. They have and start with the fifty third fifty third. A regiment, and they're moving down the road that parallels the Mississippi River with just a very slight levee on their left. Gibbs has the main striking force, and he's going to be on the right, but he's going to be dependent on getting those uh, ladders and fascines that the colonel of the 44th uh, Regiment of Foot is supposed to uh, get. Later on, he'll be saying, if I survive the battle, I'm going to hang hang Morton from that tree right there, because he screwed everything up. And the advance starts. Now, the, the, the British plan to co uh, to the force on the far side of the river, uh, the, uh, the, uh, nor uh, the, uh, the uh, north side of the river has 
has had trouble getting into position. And they missed, see, the uh, a rocket fired by uh, the main force on the opposite side of the river, and they will not be able to cooperate, even if they had been thinking about it. So they advance. So there's going to be no, uh, they, so that means the people on the far side of the river under Thornton are not going to be able to seize the cannons that can fire across the river and enfilade the British right, which would be uh, the the, uh, Keene's column, which is moving down the road right adjacent to the river. So the British are moving. This is not, and they uh, things are beginning, and they uh, come under heavy fire. Uh, Gibbs is wondering where the hell are those guys in the forty fourth uh, regiment of foot? They're not around. We need our ladders. We need our fast scenes to get across the ditch, and they begin to take heavy casualties. Packingham is trying to coordinate them. He sees that Gibbs is in serious trouble. And he says, uh, he sends a message uh, to the Colonel Dale of the, 50, uh, 60, uh, the 93rd Regiment of Scots. He says, I want you to move, to leave your co- the column, moving down the road adjacent to the river, have them move across the field and come to the support of Gibbs. And so Dale starts off moving, uh, does it oblique to the right and starts moving across. Now, the, now they're in big trouble. They're now within range of the uh, of Jackson's guns. Jackson has no artillery up. Excuse me, the Brits have no guns up there with them, and Jackson's guns have opened fire, firing canister and grape in a short ride. And the heads of the columns are beginning to melt away. Predict of Gibbs' column on the far right as. Uh, as Dale with the 93rd cuts across on an oblique uh, to join uh, Gibbs, uh, uh, they find out, and that's where they're in big trouble uh, as they begin shooting them down. Now, Jackson is only going to have 15 casualties here, maybe 20 at the most. The British are going to have over 2,000 casualties of their 5,000 men. So there, and the only British troops that are going to get, are going to get into the Union, into the British defenses, and there will be the defenses held by the Marines and the 7th Infantry are the spearhead of the Light Infantry that are marching down the the road paralleling the levee. They get in there and hold the redoubt for a few minutes, but they're unsuccessful. The, their commander will be uh, badly wounded. Packingham has now gone forward to try and straighten everything out, and he's going to uh, get himself uh, mortally wounded. Gibbs's column uh, comes in, and it's now melting away in front of batteries five, the three guns in battery five. Uh, the uh, Dominic U is, the, uh, is having a field day, 
And within about 20 minutes, the British attack is it's obviously being repulsed. Gibbs is mortally wounded. Packingham is mortally wounded. Dale is uh, going to be mortally wounded. So he's not going to be able to hang uh, the commander of the of the 40th, 44th Infantry that had screwed up. So they're going to fall back. Packingham's last orders to his reserve, commanded by Colonel Lambert, is you better... Sh- you were, were falling back, and I think you're, if you commit your reserve, it'll be uh, sending uh, uh, good money after bad money. So within, uh, uh, within about 20, 30 minutes of hard fighting, if you forget the earlier movements, probably two hours, the battle is over. Uh, and New Orleans, New Orleans has been saved. Jackson has become a hero. Uh, the British uh, uh, will uh, will uh, get together and discuss. Packingham will die that night. Now, good thing uh, what they do in those days to preserve uh, uh, well-known and high-ranking people to get them back so they can uh, bury them without them, uh, decompose them, they put them in a keg of of brandy or wine. So they'll put him in a keg of wine to send him back uh, for Wellington's uh, sister, who is now a widow, to bury her husband. So the British are are going to have 2,000 casualties out of the 6,000 men they committed to the attack. Meanwhile, the British, uh, 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 Thornton has finally got moving. And, uh, and, uh, by the time Thornton moves, uh, the, uh, British on the, uh, 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 have failed in their attack on the Rodriguez Canal, uh, uh, line of Jackson. Uh, the, uh, people, the militia over on the far side of the river, uh, naturally panic. Uh, they capture, the Thornton captures her position, captures her cannon, which they abandon, but they, uh, the British decide, uh, uh, they uh, have decided we're not going to try another attack. We're going to withdraw from the area. So they begin withdrawing on the way they came. Now, an interesting thing about the Battle of New Orleans uh, is on Christmas Eve in in Ostend, France, in Ostend, Belgium, British and American representatives had met, and they had signed a treaty uh, ending the war, and uh, of course. The treaty, if the British had won the battle, Parliament would have never approved the treaty. And uh, since we won the battle, our Congress is very welcome, to, uh, is very eager to approve the treaty. So if, the, if, we, if Jackson had lost, undoubtedly New Orleans would have fallen. 
the British would have controlled the, the major city at the mouth of the Mississippi, and they would have uh, command. Uh, they would have also demanded the property they've already occupied in the United States, particularly in north northeastern Maine, as booty. So, the uh, the Battle of New Orleans is over. It's going to make Jackson a, a national hero, make him a president of the United States. And the uh, uh, Brits of uh, so we feel pretty good about ourselves uh, because after having a very bad first two years of the War of 1812, we've ended with a great victory. Ed Bars, thank you for bringing history to life. Uh, there's a park down there now uh, at Chalmette. They, they, they have restored the Jackson line, the Rodriguez line, and it uh, gives you a good view of the battle. The best way to do it is if you, is as uh, 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 get on. A, they they rent tour boats down from New Orleans, and they let you, and they land there at uh, Chalmette, and you can take a tour of the battle, or you can drive down. There is so a large obelisk monument there uh, to commemorate the battle. Ed, thank you very much. We'll see you at the Civil War Roundtable in April. See you yes, in New York soon. to see you. Whether you need help with drafting a will or trust, power of attorney, health care proxy, living will, or protecting your assets from nursing home costs, Connors & Sullivan's goal is always the protection of your rights and interests. The professionals at Connors & Sullivan have been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 30 years. I'm Mike Connors. Come to our office for a free initial consultation. Talk with me or one of our experienced attorneys to see how we can help you protect your family, your assets, and your legacy. There is no one strategy that fits everyone, but the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is no planning at all. Call Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law today to schedule a free initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Midtown Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. Back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, again, accompanied by my wife, Beth, yep. my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Now, each week, Kevin McCullough takes an email question directed to us, plays it on his show for the benefit of his listeners. And you can listen to Kevin McCullough each week, Monday through Friday, at 5 o'clock on 970 The Answer and 3 o'clock on 570 The Mission each Monday through Friday. So take it away, Kevin. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week we promise you you're going to get your questions answered uh, from Mike Connors, uh, the uh, co-named Connors & Sullivan law firm that uh, he uh, oversees, actually one of the tri-state's most recognized law firms when it comes to expertise in estate law and elder care. And uh, Mike is back with us. This week's question comes from someone named Ari. Uh, they say, I'm recently divorced, have no children. Can my ex-husband put a claim on my assets? Mike Connors, what say you? Well, the answer is no. You know, a divorce spouse has no claim on your estate. Now, if there's unpaid alimony payments, or in some cases here, there are no children, but if there are unpaid child support payments, the, the ex-spouse may be claiming against the estate. But ordinarily, no. If you're divorced, you're divorced. Now, at the same time, Ari should have some type of will because 
She has no children. She has no spouse. Who do her assets go to if she does pass away? Well, and you guys advise everyone to make sure that not only do they have a will, but that it's up to date and also, uh, you know, just check it on a regular basis against what uh, current state law is, right? Right. Because those laws change how often, Mike Connors? Well, it depends. The law and rules haven't substantially changed in over 100 years. But at the same point, you know, sometimes distribution, if you have no will, does change every once in a while. Uh, Different states have different little syncrasies or whatever. So um, you should always take a look at your will, see if it's what you want. And, you know, sometimes people have wills from 20, 30 years ago that absolutely make no sense today. (laughs) That's true. I remember when we came uh, to you guys uh, that uh, we we didn't have really anything of substance in place. And your your team walked us right through the whole process with the greatest of care. And, friends, they're going to do the same for you. That's why I want you to call Connors and Sullivan, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, and send us your questions. You'll get one answered right here on Kevin McCullough Radio every week, but also on Mike's own program, Ask the Lawyer, Saturday mornings at 8 and evenings at 6 on AM 570 and FM 102.3 The Mission. And Sunday morning, starting at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. Thank you, Kevin. I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a, a burden to me. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have a beautiful car, a big fancy home, If you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness that's there. We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable, I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com. Back to Ask the Lawyer. Michael, if somebody wanted to email us a question, where would they email the question to? They can reach us at AskMikeConnors at gmail.com. That's AskMikeConnors at gmail.com. Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. Okay, so, you know, we're wrapping up another show. You know, I love history. It it saddens me very much what's going on. It saddens me that the, you know, the statues of, of U.S. Grant being taken down, the Frederick Douglass, the the great abolitionist. Uh, I, I'm not sure why, you know, people are attacking these statues. I can understand some statues, why people might attack them. But for the life of me, I can't figure out why anybody would take out the, the you know, the statue of, of U.S. Grant. It, it, it's a sad point in American history right now. Don't take down the statues. Put up some more. Put up some more heroes. Nobody is perfect. Mother Cabrini. 
Mother Cabrera. Mother Cabrera. That'll, do, that'll do it. That'll do it. But nobody's perfect, and everyone is a product of their times. Yeah, and I mean, Christopher Columbus, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments in the history of, of, of the world was Christopher Columbus. But I'm not going to say he discovered America. We know that. Okay, he didn't discover America. But he opened up the trade routes between America and Europe, and nobody had done that before. Yeah, you know, some people may have visited the Americas, like the Vikings or St. Brendan, but nobody opened up the trade routes between America and Europe as Christopher Columbus did. And he had great courage to take on the mission that he was taking on at the time, and he should be on it for it. And, and I, it makes me sick, too, to see that his, you know, flags are, his flags, his statues are being torn down. All right, well, again, Connors and Sullivan is open, so if you want to schedule an appointment, do so at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. See you next week, same time and place. Bring your own mask. Thanks for joining us. Kevin McCullough, are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.